we start, do you mind doing a promo for me? No, not at all. Go ahead. Okay, so what we do is I just ask you to say, hey, this is Dan Locke of whatever you want to say, danlock.com or your podcast or whatever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you are listening to Jeff Smith on Vroom Vroom Beer and Listen Up or something like that. Okay, so this is Dan Locke. You're listening to Vroom Vroom Beer with Jeff Smith. That's it. Right? That's it. Okay. Okay. Whenever you're ready. Hi, this is Dan Locke from danlock.com. You are listening to Vern Vern Beer with Jeff Smith. Well done, sir. Thank you. All right, I'm going to go away for a sec. I have to hit stop on the recorder, but I'll be right back. Are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved up, frenzied, and far too often scripted life? Then welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith, where he guides you down the road differently traveled by sharing unique experiences with guests who have managed to shift away from a life stuck on cruise control and veered their way into a more authentic and fulfilling one in all sorts of interesting and kind of remarkable ways. Get ready to Vroom Vroom Veer with your differently traveled road chauffeur, Jeff Smith. Sherba, welcome so welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer, and thanks for being here. How's it going? It's doing doing great. Thanks for having me, Jeff. So you are at JoeKasherba.com, and um, you um, you do web design, and you help folks who are doing that too, right? So yeah. talk a little bit about what you got going on. Yeah, basically, you know the the super short story is that I started a freelance web design business in high school wow. grew it into a digital agency with you know clients around the world and a virtual team and then fairly recently made the made the shift to start um, working with some other freelancers and web design agency owners to help them grow their businesses so that's sort of the that's the really short, short story <laughs> gotcha well we'll get into the whole story next but yeah, we just want to start uh, start for now, and then and then go back in time. So, what part of the country did you grow up? What what was your childhood like? I grew up in a um, small town in Pennsylvania called Somerset. Oh, okay, hmm, sounds. It's neat. actually where Flight ninety three crashed. Uh, pretty close to where Flight ninety three crashed on September eleventh. Oh wow. Okay. All right. So that kind of gives me a, a piece of the country. All right. All right. So, all right, what was what was childhood like in Somerset? Somerset's a pretty small town. I mean, it's a it's a nice it's a nice place. People are nice. It's a, you know, it's a nice area to grow up in, but it's pretty small. You know, right. most of the time I was growing up, there wasn't even a movie theater um in the town, so we had to drive about 30 miles to go to the movies. Wow. <laughs> now that's a small town. I grew up in a small town in Michigan, so I, I know what that's like. But uh, like, what uh, what time frame? How, I don't know how old you are. So, were you like one of these kids that that you got kicked out of the house uh, in the morning and in this during the summer and then left to your own devices, or were were your daytime activities more controlled? Probably more controlled. It was right. you know the, the the where my parents lived and that kind of thing was not. Um, you know, not close enough to anybody that that like you could just run to a neighbor's house or something like that. So understood. You know, we were pretty, pretty, pretty far off from from even the closest neighbors. So wow, it was okay. less. You know, it wasn't that sort of neighborhood kind of feel where you know you just you know go over to your neighbor's house or something like that. Yeah. Okay. I get it. 
All right. So what kind of kid were you in uh, when you were like little? Were you shy? Were you like the life of the party, making jokes? Uh, it's interesting. I, w- I <laughs> when I was little, I was very, very extroverted. Yeah, me um, too. All right. Yeah. And then i I became I became an introvert as time went on. I'm not sure exactly what happened. Interesting. Um, I've never heard that story before. Wow. <laughs> so, did did you have uh, brothers and sisters? Yeah, I actually have a twin brother. I have a twin okay. brother, and then I have a younger sister. Ah, okay. All right. See, I was youngest of three. And uh, and I was like okay. the kid always begging for attention and my mom's baby. So there's a lot of psychological literature about the youngest of three and how they're usually a pain in the ass and an extrovert. <laughs> 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 so I kind of, you know, I, I have I have that story to deal with. <laughs> no, but I've never heard the story of you were kind of like extroverted young and then you kind of became an introvert. So talk a little bit about how that might have happened. Or yeah, when, a, you know, it's interesting. That's a good question. I think, you know, I I remember, um, you know, being at dinner with everybody when I was little and being, you know, talking like crazy about all kinds of stuff and being like um, the main person talking. And I remember um, one time we had a birthday. My brother and I had a birthday at, um, it was Boca de Beppo, uh, Italian restaurant. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I've yeah, heard of that. Yeah. And so my grandmother had told him that it was our birthday. And so, you know, they, every, like the whole restaurant sang and they brought out like this whole cake and all this stuff. And, um, like my brother was like almost hiding under the table and I was like standing up and bowing and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. I love it. I was really into it. And now like somehow I, I, I've sort of transitioned to being now that introverted person also where. I would prefer that not happen, and I'm uh, sort of less comfortable being the the center of attention and, and, and that kind of thing. Interesting. Um, yeah. So that's a good. Yeah. What psychological things happen? Right. That don't happen? That's a good <laughs> you don't question. know. Yeah, maybe in this therapy session that is this show. Maybe we'll we'll uh, we'll uncover some of that. <laughs> yes, exactly. Turn it into a therapy session. Why not? Yeah. So talk a little bit about being a twin. So did you screw around with people and pretend to be each other? No, we're actually fraternal. So we. Oh, we you couldn't get away with it. Ah, uh, got no, it. No, unfortunately. Yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Would have been cool. <laughs> Have you ever met, have you ever known somebody for a really long time and not known they were twins and then seen their twin? Has that ever happened to you? I I don't think so. I think I feel, I feel like because I'm a twin, I usually, you know, that get, that gets talked about pretty quickly when I'm with somebody else. Ah, right. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. No, I worked with a dude in the air force here in Los Angeles and, uh, you know, he wasn't like a friend, but, you know, he had been around for like three, four years. Right. And, uh, you know, you know, you see somebody on a daily basis, you go, OK, that's that guy. Right. And it's not yeah. like we're super close or anything. He's more like an acquaintance. Right. But um, then one day he has like a promotion ceremony and his family comes to visit. And then I see him hanging out in civilian clothes and then I see him and he looks a little funny. <laughs> and then I see him moments <laughs> later. <laughs> <laughs> and and he is in uniform and he's getting ready and it looks like he usually does and I'm like what just happened <laughs> I had no idea yeah. he had an identical <laughs> twin yeah it was it was bizarro anyway 
I digress. <laughs> okay, so let's talk a little bit about what sort of kid you were in high school. So were you still extroverted and kind of outgoing in high school, or did you already begin to be a little bit more inwardly focused? I guess what sort of, you know, I'm thinking about it more, I guess what sort of happened is I ended up sort of taking my um, – maybe it's extrovertedness or something and sort of focusing it on entrepreneurship. Okay. So, um, you know, although maybe in high school with other, other students and stuff, I was more on the introverted side, but, but I already had started my business and was meeting with business owners and doing that kind of thing. Gotcha. Wow. Oh my goodness. Already in high school. Right. Yeah, I started the I started my my web design business when I was fifteen. Oh my goodness! Wow. And uh, that's you know crazy. one of my one of my first clients was the photographer who did my senior photos. <laughs> I love it. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you're just like getting your picture taken, right? And to tell to walk us through how that happened. Well, what actually what happened in that instance was he. Um, he called, I think, I think he called the high school looking for whether there was there a student that knew how to build a website or something. And he oh, was wow. sent to me because I had, uh, you know, had started this business. And uh, then he, um, he basically, we, we did a meeting and he said he offered, to, he offered to do the photos for free in exchange for the website. And I said, well, I'd prefer that he just paid me for the, the website because my parents would pay for the photos. <laughs> Well done, sir. <laughs> so All right. I ended up getting paid, and then my parents paid him to do the photos, and everything worked out well. Right. Very, from my standpoint. Very shrewd. Because <laughs> <laughs> those pictures weren't even for you anyway. Yeah, exactly. Right. You didn't want those pictures. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's great. I love it. Okay, so walk us through... What what sort of web pages were you making back then? I mean, put you know, put put a time frame on it. Were you using like Dreamweaver and Front Page and that kind of era? At that point, it was it was Dreamweaver. It was Dreamweaver, um, right? Okay. Yeah, using Dreamweaver, using Adobe or not wasn't Adobe at that point. Macromedia, Dreamweaver, and Macromedia right. Fireworks okay. for graphic design, and then, you know, it was HTML and everything like that. There was no WordPress or anything like that that I was using. Right, right. It was all really a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, so it was a lot of work and a lot of, you know, clients couldn't edit the websites themselves or any yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah, right, uh, right. Yeah, very, very different. A completely different world, right. That was almost like, I, can't, I, I don't know how many times to count how many versions of the web there were, but that was that was like when it started being cool, but it hadn't really gotten all the way cool yet. That that's kind of web pages were a lot more static. Oh yes, it was much much more static. Yeah, no, you know, nobody was editing their website or no, nobody had a blog or any of that kind of stuff. Right, right, right. Gotcha. Um, you know, the, the only video or anything that that we were doing was the occasional. Occasionally, somebody wanted something in Flash where, you know. Something would blink or something with flash, but yeah. Well, there wasn't but, enough bandwidth at that point yet. Well, yeah, and that was, you know, at that point in time, I was, you know, I was in Somerset, very small town, yeah. and we actually had, um, we had a, we had dial-up. Right, um, right. <laughs> because I remember. 
you know, there there were some places in the town where you could get DSL, yeah. but where my parents lived was too far, right? Too far out to get yep. DSL or cable or anything. So the only choice was dial-up, right? And actually, what was interesting was in those very rural areas, when they were putting out down the phone lines and they started adding more houses, they would actually split the phone lines. Yeesh. And so that was fine. That was fine for talking on the phone. Right. But what it resulted was that the dial-up speed was actually half dial-up. It was not even dial-up speed. It was half dial-up. Wow. So instead of 56 kbps, it was 28 kbps. So that was I was building these websites and, and you know uploading things and on a half dial-up connection. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. So it was pretty interesting. And uh, I don't even know, where were they hosted back then? Were they hosted on like like a computer in the business? No, there was still there were hosting companies at that time. Okay, gotcha. Time. Okay, gotcha. Um, yeah, so I was using hosting companies just like you would now. Okay, gotcha. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, I, I was there, but I wasn't really all that involved. I was mostly just a user. And mm -hmm. during that time, I was in, where was I? So I was in Japan and in England. So oh, okay. it was, yeah, I was in the Air Force. So, and then by the time I came back to the States, it was 2003. And uh, and I was and they had already at that point they had already had pretty much good adoption of DSL and cable, so mm -hmm. and and I was moving to Los Angeles, so I got I think I got DSL first, which really stunk. <laughs> yes, yeah, even DSL was pretty bad. It was so bad, yeah, and it was still using POTS telephone lines, you know. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so I was stuck on that for like a two-year contract, and then finally I got on the cable, and it was like, oh, <laughs> now it it works the way it's supposed to. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it sounds like you started doing your business so early. Did you even end up going to college at all? I actually did go to college. I went to University of Pittsburgh. Okay, good. And so it was some, the, the, the web design was something I did all through high school and then college on the side. And then in college, I also had some other startups that I was involved in. But oh, yeah, I, I, did, I did the college thing. I, I, it was a good like, – I'm very, very glad I did it and I learned so much. It was so valuable. But I think at the, when I, at the end of high school, I, was, I sort of had that uh, sort of rogue me mindset that like, or mentality that you know, I don't need to go to college. I can be like you know, Bill Gates or something and you – know, drop out of college or something like that but I, I really am glad that I did it so what did you study in college uh, computer science and information science that makes sense <laughs> yeah. it's one of those degrees that you can actually get a job with still today with just a bachelor's mm -hmm. degree yeah yeah and and you know and they're still valuable you know you know the the thing about IT is that it's moving so fast that like it when you're in it, you're just constantly having to learn the next thing. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> that's absolutely. Okay. I, you know, I I just recently, like last year, the end of last year, I upgraded my my desktop computer because there was this new game coming out that I wanted to play. Okay. And I had been out of playing with computer hardware for so long; it took me months. 
to figure out what CPU I wanted, what you know, memory I, I wanted, what motherboard I wanted. Oh, yeah. You know, it was just like, oh, as soon as you pull your head out of that bucket, it's like, and I had been out of it for years, you know, since 2011. <laughs> you know, so it was like, I had no idea what I needed. Yeah. <laughs> it, the catch-up time is like months. It's crazy. So, okay, so now um, college... Did you party a lot, or did, is this when you started becoming more introverted? I was not much of a partier in college. I was, much, you know, I, uh, you know, I had the, you know, I had the web design business, and then I also had, you were like too I busy. Said, a, yeah, a couple startups that I was working on. I was, you know, focusing a lot of my attention on that kind of thing. So what? What were the other startups? Were they still computer related? The. the there was yeah, there was all, always tech related. I mean, the there was a whole v variety of small little endeavors I had, but the the biggest one that I had was um, which sort of what happened was I I was building this startup, and towards the end of college, I was hoping that when I was done with college, this startup was going to be my my main thing after college, okay. and it sort of fell apart and didn't work out, but. Uh, um, it was going to be a website builder similar to like Wix or Squarespace or one of those where people could go and build their own website. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so what happened that it kind of fell apart? Was it like a – probably not a technical thing. Usually it's how these things go. <laughs> yes, it was It was, um, It was. was a focusing too much on the technical side. You know, I spent six months or something like that building it and coding and, you know, everything like that. And, you know, it, it never got even one sale. I was only charging $9 a month. And I never got even one person to use it. Mm, right. And it was one of those situations where I had created the product that I wanted. You know, from a web designer's perspective, this was the product that a web designer could use to easily build a website. Yeah. But to a business owner, it was not what they wanted. You know, it didn't no, make sense it. Yeah. to them. Right, right. Yes. Yeah. No, that's, there you go. <laughs> but you learned something. You definitely learned something in that endeavor, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, that was a big one. You know, that was one of the biggest, it was big, biggest learning experiences because I, I went through the whole process of, you know, building the, the, the software and everything and doing the sort of the legal aspect of getting the company started and... Um, you know, then going out and trying to do some marketing, I tried to do cold calling to try to set up, uh, meetings with local businesses to try to get, you know, basically get them on the, the platform for free. And I did all kinds of stuff and nothing, I just couldn't get it to work. And it was, it was from that, that I realized that, you know, there, you really have to build a product that people want, right, um, right, right. you know, that, that matches their needs. And, and then also just realizing that I didn't have a good strategy for how to market it and sell it. And, um, you know, I've now come to sort of the perspective that you need that, you need, you need a marketing and a sales strategy. You know, you, if you, if you have a business idea, but you don't have a way to market it and sell it, it's almost like you have half of a business idea. You don't have the whole idea yet. Right. Well, yeah. And I think, I think you're touching on some interesting things here too, because, there's a lot of literature out there that like when you're doing a certain activity, you should be you should be working from a perspective of just do what makes you happy. 
right? Don't think of other mm-hmm. people. And that works great in the in the world of when you're just doing art for the, the sake of doing art. And then if it catches on and you're serving your kind of like the audience of you, that's fine. <laughs> it doesn't work in business, though. Yeah. <laughs> that's like the opposite of business. <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah. And that's what everybody does. They create their, you know, their... Their baby. Yeah, exactly. The thing that they're in love with. Yeah, right. And they didn't they didn't bother to ask anybody if anybody else gave a shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. If they cared and also, you know, they you know, the biggest one of the biggest problems is spending 6 months on it before finding that out. Right. You know, and, and yes. Investing a lot of money and time and everything when, you know, could have shown some you know, some sketches or screenshots that I put together in Photoshop to a few business owners and see to you know, and saw whether it made any sense to them and could have figured out much early on that either it wasn't a good idea or it wasn't, it was, wasn't off track and I needed to, to correct court. Sure. So like, is there, is there, is there like a takeaway now that you use as like a quick rule of thumb as to say, I've got a business idea. I'm, should I like run with this or, or should I just do a little testing first? I mean, what 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 sort of testing would you do now if you had a new business idea? Um, well, I, I think if if at all possible with a new business idea, you want to get people to pay as quickly as possible. Right. Um, right. I was going to say exactly the same thing, but yes, you know, <laughs> I've heard this answer before. Right. Exists, you know. Right. Like, um, or or even you know, run some ads and see if somebody signs up for the free trial and, um, you know, just tell them, you know, say, Hey, we're, you know, we're running an experiment there or something like do something to, to, to test. Yeah. I heard about even, um, like Tim Ferriss when he was doing the four hour work week before the book was even made, he ran ads to test, um, test different titles of the book and different things like that to see what would uh whether it would actually get some interest right yeah yeah it's perfect yes so anything you can do to to test like that or just get up and running and start seeing if somebody's gonna actually give you money or actually fill out a form on the website or something like that is invaluable right if you can make like uh, a quick and dirty like say like weekend <laughs> version of something to sell and people want to buy that then you might have something, something like that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Instead of spending the six months and the money and the legal fees. <laughs> but that's a really good lesson, you know, because I'd done that a gajillion times. Like, oh, this is it. I know. And then not tell anybody and just work alone forever. And then nobody cares. Right. See, so you could have saved. Yep. I could have saved myself so much time. <laughs> <laughs> so, OK. Yeah, no, so everybody's done that. I think so. But I mean, it's worth going through it, if nothing else, other than not because, you know, you want to fail on purpose, but it's sometimes action is better than nothing. And you're always going to learn whether or not because, you know, really uh, going through the process is always going to have value. And success is so much luck. Right. So. You know, even if you did everything right and you had all the data and there's no, you know, nothing. Success is never for sure. You know, you could just do everything right and the timing's wrong and then it fizzles, you know. So luck has so much to do with it, too. 
Well, yeah, and I think, I think the, the you mentioned about taking actually you know, getting out there and doing it, and I think that's the key piece that you have to get, you know, go out and test it or do something, and you know expect that you might have to try from a few different angles or correct course or do something different. You know, if you sit around forever waiting for that that perfect idea, one that perfect idea is probably never going to be perfect, right? And you know, two. You know, you're not learning. You're not getting all that feedback from going out and trying all these different things. Right, for sure. So, okay, so let's talk about uh, life right after college. What what were you doing? Like, and, and were you already successful in your side business, uh, building websites at that point? Yeah. So that was pretty, pretty tough. So this startup, you know, I had for a long time had the idea that this startup company was going to be the thing after college. Okay. And right. Right. During graduation week and finals and everything, it, it became apparent that it wasn't. Right. And oh, lovely. <laughs> so, so I graduated college and I, I didn't have that startup company really. And, you know, I didn't have a job lined up, you know, all my friends were getting jobs at Amazon and Oracle and places like that. And, so I moved back in with my parents, and the only thing I had was doing this this freelance web design, um, which was making some nice side money for when I was in college, but you know was nowhere near a full time income. Okay. So I had to make that work, and it was it was tough. I mean, I I like set up a sort of a little sort of makeshift office in my my mom's sort of garage basement kind of place okay and i literally slid together i had two like sort of bookcases kind of things i slid them together and i put on top of them like a piece of an old countertop and that was my desk (laughs) (laughs) i love it it's like your uh steve jobs yeah and it was literally like this this office basement garage sort of area didn't even have heat right um so it was okay in the summer, but it got tougher in the winter. <laughs> and there was, it, I love it was it. like ground level and there was all these spiders and stuff. It was weird. Like, like I'd be, you know, maybe I'd, maybe I'd go away for two days and I'd come back and there'd be spider webs everywhere. Mm, lovely. We kept having to do the, those like um, bug bomb things. Mm, wow. But, so it was pretty bad. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, now it sounds kind of fun. I mean, yeah, I mean, it was cool. It was, it was, it was, I was proud of that, that office kind of thing. And um, so were you doing this all by so yourself or did you have partners? That was just me at that point. Okay. Um, gotcha. And it was just, you know, doing a lot of hourly freelance work, doing small, you know, projects, doing sort of, you know, relying on referrals and word of mouth and just doing anything I could, could, could do. You know, sometimes somebody want me to create a PowerPoint presentation for them or, you know, do some random thing. And I was just sort of doing whatever needed to be done to, to bring in a little bit of money. Sure. Wow. <laughs> okay. So what was the next big thing? I mean, what was the next move that, that and be because you started making like a $300 websites and then at some point you started making $30,000 websites. So there had to be one big thing, <laughs> a turning point, if you will. 
probably the biggest thing that happened was starting to realize that the business wasn't just going to come to me and okay, right. that I had to be proactive about doing marketing and getting in front of potential clients and, um, and that kind of thing. And it wasn't a matter of going to another networking event or trying to pick up one more referral or something. It was, I needed, I need to actually have something happening in my business on a consistent basis to bring in new leads and new clients and that kind of thing. So I could get out of this sort of desperate situation of having to do whatever anybody wanted. Okay. That makes sense. And, and so I tried all kinds of things from, you know, I tried cold calling. I tried sending postcards out in the mail, you know, direct mail. Um, I tried, you know, buying leads from companies that sell web design leads. I tried all kinds of things and I eventually got a few things working. I got, um, I, I had a really good system for getting business on Elance. Okay. Was, well, it's Upwork now, but it used to be Elance. Um, where every morning I would spend like the first hour of my day submitting proposals and contacting people on Elance. Like every day I was doing that. Mm. Um, and then, you know, sending out those postcards to, to local businesses started to work. And so I started to have a few different marketing strategies that actually started to bring me more more business on a consistent basis. Right. And that was sort of the, the, the piece that, that, um, started things moving in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're, you're churning and burning basically. Yeah. You know, finally, <laughs> you're learning that the, the hustle stride and it takes a lot of work, but yeah, that's, that's essentially, yeah. Just try, try to do anything. You've heard of things like, so you didn't, the cold calling didn't work at all, basically? Um, the cold calling didn't work, but pro probably mostly because of my introvertedness. Ah, like, gotcha. You know, I, you know, some people often, often ask me, a lot of freelancers will, will ask me, do I recommend cold calling? And I, and I, I certainly don't recommend it just because it's not any, any of the strategies that I have that, that work really well don't involve cold calling, but cold calling probably can work if, if you're you know, good at it, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. yeah but you have to be at good at it. it. Right. For me, it certainly goes against the grain. It's just not something that's, uh, you know, so I could probably get myself better at it and get more comfortable with it, but it goes against the grain and it's, it's not the best use of my time. No, I get it. Yeah. There's some people that are just naturally really good at cold calling. Yeah, exactly. And they're just comfortable with that kind of right. Thing. Exactly. Yeah. And that just makes sense to them and they do it and they're happy and it works. But if it doesn't work for you, yeah, move on. <laughs> for sure. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what was your, your first big client? My first big client. Yeah. That sort of got mm -hmm. you out of the, well, okay. So how did you get out of your mom's basement? Because I'm, a, I'm assuming you're not there anymore. No. Yeah, so, so what happened was <laughs> No, I'm not. <laughs> That's funny. Um no, I um what happened was I so I was doing some of these things to start getting some clients and right. started to sort of slowly increase my prices a little bit. And eventually I like probably one of the most exciting times of my life was the first month that I did five thousand dollars in a month. Yeah, that's pretty good. 
And that's a that's I remember like a nice healthy chunk of change for a kid, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. I was, I, I you know, I, I remember for, you know, for for a period of time thinking I, I can't even imagine that. And then, you know, it, it all came together and I got it. And I remember like I went to this client's office and I picked up the check that took me over five thousand for the month. And I remember literally like tearing up in the car ride back because I was I was just overwhelmed by the fact that I'd done five thousand dollars in a month. Wow. Yeah. Nice. And then it was only, um, I think it was only two or three months later that I had my first $10,000 month. Wow. Right. And so what now, now so back up a little to, bit. So you got weepy yeah. when you hit 5k <laughs> and I get it. Yeah. That totally makes yeah. sense because it's, it's such a big deal. Right. And it, it almost like, uh, yeah, the emotions are overwhelming, but when you doubled it, what did that feel like? Were you still like blown away or were you kind of like more? Eh? I mean, that was hitting $10,000 in a month was pretty, pretty awesome. I, I think, I think it was about, it was actually more than it, it was about 12,000 that month. Wow. Um, and at that point it was just me. There was no, I don't even think there was any contractors or anything at that point. Right. Um, and that was just, insanity um but I, it wasn't like i was tearing up and crying like i didn't have five thousand like i think five thousand was the was like the the biggest moment ever because that was the somehow in my mind that was when it was sort of real money and it wasn't just something i was doing on the side right right um, right it, it, it's the shit's getting real moment <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and so you know hitting 10,000 in a month and then hitting 20,000 in a month like those are great but you know and you know now we've done even more than that but it was that 5,000 that was the biggest probably the biggest moment yeah it's like a big internal shift almost of yeah. like hey uh i might have to get an office <laughs> exactly right exactly and you're you're just thinking like this could actually work <laughs> right <laughs> yes yeah exactly. i'm not exactly. just screwing around <laughs> yeah well you know i i showed them all those people that that thought i should have gotten a job or something like that was sort of ah, like a little vindication feeling yes exactly lovely okay so all right so let's let's move on to say like I don't know, two or three years after you hit the $12,000 a month, what was life like? Yeah, so let me see here. Um, if it helps to just walk through it, that's okay too. Yeah, I'm just trying to think. Basically, you know, once I had a few months of that, you know, the 5000 and then a couple months later I did 10000 it was after that that I, that I got, got my own apartment and everything. Okay. Um, and... And, and it, then at some point it was is sort of at the point of, you know, where do I want to take this? Do I do I want to get an office and you know start having you know employees or you know what do I actually want to do here? Right. And okay. I start. I knew some people who had some successful web design agencies at that point, and so for a while I was thinking about going down that route of you know getting an office and doing everything you know, sort of that traditional route. Right. Okay. But what I started to realize was that most 
that a lot of the web design agencies, maybe they look flashy, but they weren't, there actually wasn't that much profit. Mm, um, okay. You know, once you started, had an office and you had employees and you had all these expenses and everything. And, you know, I, I knew somebody who said that, you know, you know, their, their web design agency was making a bunch of revenue, but they personally were, were not making more than they ever did as a, at a, as a freelancer. Interesting. And right. cause they were, they were spending all of their, uh, their, their gross on expenses. Exactly. And so I realized I didn't want to go that route. Um, but I also realized that, you know, the, the, I also realized that I needed help. Like, sure. You know that that twelve thousand dollar month, that first twelve thousand, first ten thousand dollar month, which which I did twelve thousand in in revenue, like that was awesome. But I remember getting to the end of that month and thinking, I I worked so many hours and I worked so hard, I I, I couldn't do this every month. Right. You know. Right. 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 It was so, like you just finished a marathon. You're like wiped out. Yeah. Exactly. It was like I I was working so hard and then. You know, it switches to the next month. I'm back to zero. You know, I'm back to back right. to the beginning. Right, right. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I can't do that again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so I, I made the decision to take the business sort of in a little bit of a different direction and build the business virtually. Okay. And so I started working with instead of looking to get employees, I started looking to work with vendors that could provide specific services and then start working with uh, contractors that I that I found on Elance and things like that. And I slowly started um, taking different pieces and handing them off to either a vendor or a contractor and keeping the business virtual. Um, and then I also really made a very, very concerted effort to increase my prices um, because I saw that, you know, it, it, it seemed like if I positioned myself right and I did the consultations right, I could charge a lot more than I was at that time and that that would be a better path to um, growth than necessarily doing a ton of uh, websites at a low price. Sure. Oh yeah, for sure. And you can start being a little bit more choosy with who you're working with. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And and, and that was a key piece of it. I mean, so so many times uh, you know, freelancers or agency owners will tell me that, you know, they're working with these difficult clients or they're working on the kinds of projects that they don't like and and you know, they they want to be more choosy. And and the key to that is starting to get that marketing going and having a, you know, an overflow of of opportunities and leads that you can be choosy. Yeah. And, and I already know that, um, that there's sort of like a business owner trait that makes them like want to change reality to bend to their will, (laughs) 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 which is, which is fine usually, you know, uh, (laughs) but you don't always necessarily want to help them with their web (laughs) page. Yeah, and that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> I remember trying to discuss rationally and calmly, you know. This this person I was uh I was doing massage. I did massage for about a year and a half as a oh, job. Okay. Yeah, I know, just to be different and weird. <laughs> um but uh you know, I I was also, you know, playing around with web pages myself, 
right? So this one spot owner was always trying to pick my brain for free help, basically, on, mm. on her web page, right? And, um, and, you know, I just, like, decided to mock up uh, a WordPress. Just, like, I threw up, like, 10 pages, right, uh, on a, of a okay. WordPress instance for her on her own web host. Just to show her, you know, so I could walk her through what it would be like if she had her own WordPress, right, site. And just yeah. try to kind of, like, mock it up. And I only spent like a couple hours on it, right? I, like 10 pages. Mm -hmm. I copied and pasted from her old static page and just to give her a feel to what yeah. w a WordPress site would be like and then how she could run it herself, right? And all I wanted to do was go in there and show her like the, the WordPress desktop kind of thing and walk her yeah. through a couple of like, see how easy it would be to edit? And I couldn't even get there. <laughs> <laughs> Because I was just trying to do her a favor, and she's like, oh, that's great. That's great. You want to do that for me? I'll pay you. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not even a little bit. No. No. So <laughs> you know what I mean? You, you've, you've worked with these people, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They don't want – they want to just, like, not do anything technical at all. Right. So there's that kind of customer. I don't know if that's uh, somebody you want to work with or not, but – yeah, there's all kinds out there. Yeah, I mean the 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 best is when somebody is see, sees you as an expert and you know just trusts you to get the job done right, and that's the probably most important piece is position positioning yourself that way, right? And then sort of spotting the people that probably don't see you as an expert and see you as someone who's gonna um sort of do what they want you to do as opposed to being, being right. the expert. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you yeah, you you just nailed what I was I was thinking and trying to say. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> cuz cuz she wanted to treat everybody as if they were an employee. You know. Exactly. Do it do it my way. <laughs> Make it so number one. Uh anyway. <laughs> and what what sort of seems counterintuitive, but it seems to me that what my experience has been is that as you increase your price, that happens less and less. That's that you right. Increase your okay. price, they end up people see you more as the expert, and and they're, you know, you know, what's happening now is like, you know, hiring a web designer is not the easiest way to get a website anymore, or the cheapest, right? You could go right. to Wix or Squarespace and do it yourself. Right. So, the people that are hiring a web designer. If, if they're hiring a web designer because it's cheap or easy, that's not a good thing. But when I go and I sell a website for five or ten or twenty thousand dollars, it's to somebody that has very specific business problems or very specific results that they want. Right. And they're hiring my company because we're experts to solve those problems and get those results. And it's a completely different thing than, you know, move this thing here, do this thing and sort of do my bidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. And I think you can sort of like spend some time in the front end to figure out, you know, to make sure you're working with the right kind of client and not like the the bad kind. You know, you're doing sort of like client selection, I think is the nice way of saying it, right? Exactly. And yeah. and, and just being comfortable in that, you know, you know, if, if you're relying on and word of mouth and maybe once or twice a month somebody contacts you to do work for them then 
then you're in a bad way if you have a bad client because that's your only money for the month, right? Right, right. But, but if you if you have marketing systems, whether those are paid marketing systems or whether they're, you know, contacting people via direct email or direct mail or something, whatever it is, if you have some way to get more people in, then if something's not going right, you can just say to somebody, hey, it doesn't seem like this is going to be a good fit, you know, let's part ways and, you know, be, be friendly about it, but it just doesn't seem like it's going to be a good fit. You can do that right. if you have more leads and more opportunities coming in. Right. Yes. And you're not so desperate that you have to, you know, you're looking at them as, you know, a way to eat. Right. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can't let them go. I won't be able to make payroll. Oh, no. Right. Yes. I, and I love the yeah. idea that that you went all virtual, too, because um, some of my favorite companies are sort of like the the ones that never take outside money and and they just want to, you know, mm -hmm. s slow growth and and minimize expenses. You know, I, I like that. That's that's. If I ever did business, that would be m my model that I would try to follow. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So now let's talk a little bit about where you are today. So we, we've already touched on it like a little bit, but what do you, what do you spend most of your time doing? Are you, are you spending more time still solving problems for businesses or are you now more of a, the consultant side? More and more, my time, my focus is on this um, this business where we're we're helping freelancers and web design agencies grow their businesses and take right. some of these steps that that we took. Um, but the web design business, basically, the web design business or the digital agency, got to a point where um, most of the projects are managed by project managers. Okay. Um, that move them forward, and so I'll still see oversee projects and do that kind of thing. Right. Um, but a lot of the projects move forward with without my a whole lot of day-to-day -day input from me. So I'm able to focus my attention on this this new business um, with the freelancer, with helping freelancers and helping agency owners. So so when you're doing that, so what does that look like? Are you doing like uh, direct sort of like one-on-one -on -one coaching, consulting, or is it more like online classes? What sort of what sort of offerings are you doing for other businesses? Yeah, so we, um, you know, one of the things I really wanted to do was make sure that I was working with people on a one-on-one -on -one basis. You know, okay. there, I, I feel like there's a million, you know, there's a million courses you could buy or, you know, video this or, you know, all these things you could go and sort of do them yourself. Right. Um, but I wanted to make sure I was working one-on-one -on -one with people because I knew that was the way I could help them get results the best. Okay. And so... So when we work with people, we have a we have a program that they go through that they get access to, a, you know, video trainings and materials that I've put together in a client portal. Okay. Um, but I'm still working one on one with everybody, doing doing phone calls with them, working closely with them by email. You know, actually, when you know when we're helping them do an advertising campaign or something, I'm actually logging into their 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 uh, AdWords or Facebook campaign and actually, you know, working with them really closely on it. So All that one-on-one right. -on -one thing is key because I think that's, um, you know, I, I think that's key to getting people to, to see where they're making mistakes and actually get to that, that point of success. Right. 
And at this point, that's still manageable with the uh, time-wise. You can still you can still work it all in because it's uh, at at a certain point. There's only so many hours in a day, but you're you're doing okay with that. Yeah, I mean that's that's gonna at some point be a challenge. But what <laughs> <Right>. we've done, <laughs> yeah, for sure. You have to what clone yourself a couple million times. Is, <laughs> well, what I've done is I we 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 were definitely you know focused on working with a relatively small number of people. Okay, um, gotcha. And we do we do some group group webinars where everybody who's in the program who's working with us sort of gets on a, a group webinar together and asks questions and stuff. Right. Um, and I'm trying to build out as much training and as much as many, put as many materials in this client portal and everything as I can so sure. that people can, can have all those resources available um, to sort of the leverage my time as much as possible. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, it sounds like you've, you've created yourself a pretty decent life <laughs> work-wise anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been pretty cool. Cause you know, the, one of the biggest things I wanted was to make sure that, you know, everything was as virtual as possible. So I could travel or I could be in some other place or didn't matter, you know, where I was, what was going on. Right. So you can, you can, as long as you have your laptop and a Starbucks, you're good to go. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. So Airbnb is your friend. Airbnb, I, I, you know what? I've never actually done Airbnb, but oh, it's awesome. I, uh, you got to do it. I've, uh, I've heard some really some successes and then some, some some clinkers, some clinkers, clinkers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, but, you you never know what you're gonna get. <laughs> I guess I guess that's the case with traveling in general. Yeah. You know? Right. Well, yeah, the thing is, is uh you have to really sort of like spend time uh, looking at the, the, the place that you're, you're about to stay in because you, I think I got in trouble the last time I used it because I just sort of assume that everybody has Wi-Fi in their house now, mm. but they don't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I would assume that too. Right. But they don't. Right. So it just, you have to really look and it was, you know, it was only one night and no big deal. Right. But, like, uh, it was weird. <laughs> like, oh, my God, there's no Wi-Fi. Ah! <laughs> what do I do? Yeah, I felt a like a millennial. <laughs> <laughs> I still had good uh, 4G LTE connection, and uh, I could watch yeah. a downloaded version of uh, Mythbusters on my iPad, so I was all good. <laughs> <laughs> well, Joe, hey, this is this has been a blast. Uh, you are Joe... You know, I always had, I have a hard time saying your last name for some reason. Kasherba, right? Yeah, you got it. I Kasherba, said it right. Yep. Joe Kasherba at joekasherba.com. This has been a blast. Thank you so much for being on the show, and you have a good one. You too. Thanks so much, Jeff. All right, have, see ya. Hey, talk to you soon. Thanks for taking the time to ride along with us on another episode of Vroom Vroom Veer. For podcast info and show notes, be sure to head over to vvveer.com. That's triple V double -E E-R.com. Man, that's fun to say. And we'll catch up with you next time here on Vroom Vroom Veer.